and welcome to the January episode of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And I'm Howard Marlowe. Thanks very much to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. Uh, to get started on today's episode, we're going to give you guys a brief, brief work plan update. going to talk about how they're uh, narrower beaches by design and core projects. Uh, the Corps has been urged to support the Great Lakes Coastal Resiliency Study. California goes solar. And then finally, Democrats' uh, five-year proposal for an infrastructure plan. Howard, do you have any update on the work plan? I know we're still looking at February 10th as... Yeah, we're waiting for white smoke to come out on the, uh, the 10th of February. Uh, the work plan, for most of our listeners really know that this is where the core's projects are all listed out, study by study, project by project, and uh, dollar by dollar. So everything is a real important thing. It's all for the current fiscal year, and it's due to come out the same day that the president is going to come out with his proposal for the following fiscal year. So the president does earmark, uh, Congress doesn't. So all that stuff gets in there. But on the 10th, uh, we'll be looking for, as I said, white smoke um, for both of those to come out. And the work plan will be uh, from the standpoint of our listeners uh, and uh, from us, too. It's most important. So with about two weeks left, where is the work plan right now? Work plan is back, going back and forth between core headquarters Assistant Secretary's Office and the Office of Management and Budget in the White House. Uh, the, those folks in the White House are the ultimate arbiters. Remember that the President can earmark. So we start out, every budget starts out with President's earmarks of core projects. And then Congress has pots of money which are uh, on top of the core budget, on top of the, top of the President's budget, sorry. And then uh, uh, again, the president's staff at the Office of Management and Budget uh, is the final arbiter of what goes into that. So those discussions are going back and forth. And it's uh, for those of you who have projects that you're waiting to uh, get funded, uh, I hope you're making your contacts at the right places. We'll be checking the course website. Uh, you can also stay tuned to Waterlog. We'll let you guys know as soon as we hear that, that the work plan is out. Yeah, all of our subscribers, we will uh, uh, let them know as soon as the work plan is out. Everybody will be able to see it when the days of Transparency it used to be that you had to go over there, send somebody over to pick up you know, pieces of paper, but we're in the computer age, and uh, you can get it online when it's posted. Our next topic is how some Florida beaches may get narrower by design. And this is because the Corps is studying Miami-Dade and Pinellas, uh, Pinellas County, the Treasure Island projects, uh, among many others, uh, to see if they can justify recommending federal fiscal participation to be continued beyond their original 50-year plan. But the issue is, is the benefits that are calculated from the project. And in order to get greater benefits for a project, essentially means that there are damages and vulnerabilities that could result. Yeah. And so one way to essentially allow some of those vulnerabilities to happen, if allow is the right word, is to have a smaller beach by design. Same volume of sand. Yeah. But maybe, a narrow, but a beach. maybe the same volume. We'll see. You're right, though, because the court does uh, a benefit-cost ratio using its own regulations for how to determine that, and it's such a limited definition of benefit uh, that uh, there's difficulty for these older projects that were done in the 1970s and early 80s, and they had they were built with very wide beaches, 
but no dunes, because dunes weren't then recognized for the uh, tremendous, I'm going to say impact they have, because what they do is they take impact of the waves, they break that impact, so, and therefore the damages to not just homes, hotels, or whatever they may be, but roads, all the other infrastructure, sewer lines, everything. And for our listeners, you know, typically when they see the whole, the whole beach is washed away, they say, oh, there goes the money. But beaches are just, by design, sacrificial. Exactly. Most of the sand that you and I see uh, from a freshly renourished beach is sacrificial sand. It's designed to uh, erode over a period of time, sometimes only three years, sometimes 10 years, all of that. It's going to erode. The dunes, however, are really not going to erode. They will get hit by storms, and then they will possibly get damaged by storms and need to be built back. So you need uh, National Academy of Sciences. I was just doing my daily reading, and they did a study in 2014, and they said wide beaches and strong dunes are the best way to provide protection. You have seawalls. They can do that, too. But they're not terribly nature-based. They're not terribly scenic. They're not recreational. They don't do anybody any good except in specific circumstances where you need a seawall. So the bottom line is uh, the width of some beaches is going to be narrowed. And then even, uh, as you pointed out in the waterlog article that uh, you did in the issue that just came out, uh, you know, it, it may be that uh, they don't get a BCR that's adequate to pass the SNF test at the Office of Management and Budget. What's SNF test? Two and a half to one. Benefits of two and a half for every dollar spent, whereas uh, the law only requires one to one. So, And again, just for our listeners, the, the interesting part here is that we've built our beaches so big that we don't get any... There's no... The risk is so low, essentially, yes. Yes. that those local governments and municipalities that have a beach, in terms of getting another nourishment or getting a future project or even extending your project, having a smaller beach works in your favor. Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, the experience from post-Sandy, when a lot of studies were done about uh, the effectiveness of these federal shoreline protection projects, as Congress calls them, uh, beach nourishment projects, um, it worked. They worked. Uh, and, you know, in the mid-Atlantic, you know the area very well. Uh, strong dunes, very strong dune systems. They're solid beaches. They're solid berms of those beaches. Uh, and they've got uh, good width. Uh, not every beach is built the same. It should be built the same. But the fact of the matter is uh, we've, we've built the federal projects well. And whether they can be made narrow and still provide the same level of protection is open to question. And uh, I think uh, the folks in Florida who are most affected, but we had a client in Georgia that got negatively affected. They've, well, they've, they had a big beach. Yes. It will, it will erode over time, yeah. and then they'll be out of luck when they no longer have a project, because during the time when they're trying to requalify it for 50 years or even a 15-year extension, Said, oh, your beach, is, your beach looks too good right now. Exactly. A couple of years from now, it's not going to look that yeah. good. We both know that. Yeah, I mean, in that case, they're scrambling to find a non-federal solution to the problem in terms of not relying on the core. So, um, you know, it's something to pay attention to. 
we'll be writing some more that uh, in our uh, waterlog e updates and a couple of posts that'll be uh, linked in those uh, e updates about the BCR problem and the dune problem because some beaches that Congress appropriated money to to get added dunes Miami Beach no dunes were part of it uh, Pinellas County that you mentioned no dunes were part of the project any dunes you see there were built solely by nature and nothing against nature on this but engineered dunes that are built to a certain height width and slope and all that stuff uh, those are what you need and uh, they lack them Congress appropriated money and some folks at the Corps headquarters uh, in their stupidity have said no you can't spend that money so a lot going on there our next topic is the Corps has been urged to support the Great Lakes Coastal Resiliency Study. And not just the two senators that I mentioned here, but this is, this is a, an ongoing project that, Howard, I know I'll let you talk about it in just a moment. Um, but U.S. Senators Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand urged Corps in a letter last week to include funds for the, the GLCRS, or the Great Lakes Coastal Resiliency Study. And this is what the Corps refers to as a se uh, Section 729, which is a Comprehensive Watershed Management Study. And while this kind of study doesn't lead to any projects, it makes uh, specific recommendations um, for, for actions that a state, state or local government can take um, you know, regarding their next steps. Um, and it's cost share is 75-25, 75% coming from the federal government, and it typically takes several years. Um, and this particular study is expected to cost $12 million uh, and occur over roughly four years. Can you believe getting eight states in the same room at the same time, the coastal zone managers of those states, getting uh, four federal agencies, the Corps, NOAA, EPA, uh, USGS, all in the room at the same time, spending a day and developing the idea for this and then following through with periodic meetings that were going on for the last two years to develop a study plan with actual do-outs for each of the years of the study. So it's not just going to sit on the shelf. But you look at each of those states, and all of the states have signed on. Our partners, the Coastal States Organization, very important to getting this. Uh, One word that comes to mind. Which is? Collaboration. Yes. It's something that everybody uses that word. Oh, the, uh, the Corps ought to collaborate. People ought to collaborate. These folks did it. They did it. And their only block right now is whether they get into the work plan. Their effort to get in last year got uh, stymied by the core, uh, by uh, Office of Management and Budget, which despite some suggestive language uh, in the, uh, uh, the Energy and Water Appropriations uh, report, uh, found someplace in Kansas uh, that was more deserving for a coastal study than, uh, than the Great Lakes. Uh, no offense to Kansas, but I don't think it's on the coast. So uh, they're trying again, and uh, hopefully uh, OMB will get the message and realize that this is the kind of thing that ought, they ought to be encouraging. This is the kind of thing where states are taking the initiative and these federal agencies are cooperating and not reinventing the wheel. So it's a great study and we wish it the best. Yeah, we talk about the Great Lakes fairly often and, and it's just important to remind our listeners, you know, if you're not aware, these are small oceans. Huge. You know, you go on YouTube, search surf, surfing Great Lakes, you will see waves. And I'm not just talking, yeah. you know, small knee-high, waist-high waves. They get yeah, they, they may not have sea level rise, but they do have lake level rise. And, and they it's, have, it's been a serious issue. Very serious issue. Flooding has been a serious issue. Two New York senators, as you mentioned, Lake Ontario, 
major flooding issues, the same issues that East Gulf and uh, West Coast states have, erosion and flooding. They just have it from different causes, and those, those suckers are huge. I mean, you got East Coast and West Coast in the Great Lakes, and what I mean by that is you got California Bluffs and you got yeah. Sandy Shorelines. Good point. They got a vastly different coastline, and you got houses falling in, uh, you, you've got hard structures there blocking the flow of sediment, um, and as of just uh, a few months ago, they banned open open lake disposal. Uh, of uh, sediment. Yeah, sediment that they because uh, they had a lot of dredging going on. The only presence the core has really in the uh, Great Lakes, in terms of water resources, is, is uh, besides Asian carp, which I don't want to uh, deny because it's a huge problem, but it, as the navigation channels. And they were dredging material in the state of uh, Ohio, was complaining about dumping it uh, out in the lake. And, and so uh, various uh, court uh, proceedings went on and they can't do it anymore. So that's good. It's good. It's like uh, over the East Coast, I wish we could get that because we still have a large percentage of uh, navigable water uh, dredging that uh, is dumped offshore on the East Coast. We need it. We need it onshore. You know, California is going solar with uh, a new law approved in earlier 2020. Uh, the California Energy Commission approved a building code requiring new single-family and multi-family houses uh, up to three stories to install solar panels. You know, I, I wish we were doing more on the federal level. I know that energy would seem to be a little bit outside of our, our normal sphere, but it's not. Our coastal communities are, are concerned about uh, energy. You have uh, wind energy, a lot of discussion, some opposition, some favorable. Uh, but every community is concerned about its energy supply and whether it can one, if it has fossil fuels going into that energy supply, which it likely does, he would like to be able to reduce that. We have that in this area around D.C. And so California going solar is just an indication of, I think, what I'm even seeing in my community, where people whose homes are faced in the right direction have solar panel displays on, on the top. And when you talk about uh, electrifying cars, and you're going to need to plug those in at home, your electric bill is not going to go down when that happens. So I'm glad to see that uh, California is taking the lead on this one. Yeah, and just drawing, you know, drawing it back to coastal resilience, emissions directly, Amen. sea level rise. Yeah. So uh, that's the reason we mentioned it. Moving on to the Democrats' uh, five-year infrastructure plan proposal. It's got a huge figure, $760 billion. I mean, that's exactly 7.6 times, of course, backlog. Uh, which we need to find some way to address, yeah. but uh, you know this could actually could move the needle a little bit on that if it's possible. But it doesn't include a, a way of a way of funding it. So no, but you know what is interesting about this is members of Congress. Oh, it's too expensive. We have a one trillion dollar deficit, which is to a large extent caused by one the fact that we have so many obligations with regard to Social Security, veterans benefits and the like. But two, because the tax bill that came in provided so many reductions in revenue that the deficit was spiraling up. You know, Republicans controlled the House when that bill was passed. They controlled the Senate. They controlled the White House. And yet the deficit hawks, you know, increased that without so much is really a burp. Then they come along to something that is three quarters of the deficit. And oh, no, 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 this is too expensive. 
This might actually result in some improvement in the roads I go over and all the water infrastructure and the like. We might actually see something out of this. I, you know, I, I just think it's two-faced. And, and, and I think uh, voters, listeners, have to understand and, and communicate to their members that they want their infrastructure improved. We're, you know, we go over roads here that are second rate at best. I got some, you know, where I live, where, and I'm not talking about within the town, in case the mayor's listening, but outside of the town, uh, which are awful. I've blown a couple of tires over, <laughs> over the stuff there. And, and uh, you know, we've got to be able to do something about that. And this, at least this plan does something instead of having just infrastructure week, which comes every year right. with no results. And so if this were, if this were to happen, we've got uh, $10 billion for water infrastructure um, to address the impact of severe weather events by tackling the, the course backlog um, and protect communities at risk of flooding, uh, and to enhance community resiliency and enhance national, regional, and local economic growth. And for harbor infrastructure, uh, nearly $20 billion, $19.7 billion. Um, and these are funds that are essential to uh, our dredging needs and the upkeep of American harbors, ports, and uh, channels essentially just keeping commerce flowing, ensuring U.S. economic competitiveness. I think it sounds good. Uh, I understand that the likelihood of getting enacted in this Congress is, is poor, but you have to start somewhere, and they have. Uh, we don't have all the details. You, you mentioned the essential outlines. I don't know what specific kinds of projects uh, beyond the definition you gave, but I think uh, it's the kind of proposal uh, that ought to be given serious consideration in both houses because it affects uh, every district and every state regardless of whether it's a Democrat or Republican uh, representing. Uh, it's not a partisan issue. And uh, we can get the deficit down. Uh, we can spend for this kind of thing. And certainly I, we don't want to have another recession forcing us into, in essence, uh, printing money again. So right now the economy is still strong, a little bit weaker last year than the year before, but still looking good. Uh, we just need to invest in ourselves. Yeah. That's all we got for today, guys. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks again to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today. And we'll tune in with you guys next time. Bye-bye. Take care.